Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. I do that to make sure I wake everyone up. So I'll say it again. Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Jeff, my apologies. That was not intentional. First time for everything. But uh, good morning. Happy New Year to all. We are glad to have everybody here this morning. Glad to have some people back after uh, time in between. And glad to have everybody here. I will say before we get into the lesson, it's going to be warmer this week, but anytime any of you are needing some sort of clothing or some sort of material to help you stay warmer, please, please don't leave here without asking because we keep a supply of things to try to help. We said it uh, two weeks ago leading up to the four degree below zero morning, and I want to say it all the time, so if there's a way we can help, please, please let us know. We're going to continue what we did uh, the last two years, the last two New Year's sermons uh, since I have been here, we had resolutions. So the one two years ago in 2021 was to love God and love our neighbors. And we focused on that throughout the year, to love God and love our neighbors. And then this last year we had one that was bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I will tell you, it's kind of sneaky on my part, but these don't go away. December 31st, you're like, I'm glad I don't have to love God and love my neighbor anymore. No, it doesn't work that way. Or December 31st, I'm so glad I've about born with these people as much as I can on their burdens. Now they can keep them for themselves. No, it doesn't work that way. They're all cumulative. And so I'm hoping that if God wills that we have 10 years from now a sermon, we're going to have a slide full of our resolutions. And the resolution really is simply to focus. To focus our minds on something that almost certainly we know, but to make sure we are keeping our focus where it needs to be. And so as you can see, I love, I love this little slide here showing the uh, 2022 going under the waters. That would, that would be sweet to be somewhere like that right now. But 2023 is here. 2022 is already in the past. So what is my suggestion for our New Year's resolution for 2023? It comes from what Matt uh, was able to get for us to have read out. Thank you very much. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So when you look at that in a couple of different translations, different slight wordings and different ways of expressing the same idea, we have that one at the top from the New King James, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The next one's from the English Standard. Again, translating languages is almost never an exact sentence structure. There are multiple ways of trying to express thoughts and still convey accurately what was there originally. So the English standard says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then a version I actually like, the contemporary English version, says, whatever happens, keep thanking God because of Jesus Christ. This is what God wants you to do. Whatever happens. We've had a lot that's happened here in the last year. Now, it's fairly easy to be thankful when things are going our way or it's something we like. For example, I think all of you know by now that I really love bacon. And so if some wormhole in the space-time continuum opens up and there's a thousand pounds of fried bacon that shows up right here in front of us, I will postpone finishing the sermon 
until most of that bacon is gone. Because I love bacon. So it's real easy when there's a lot of good, crispy bacon. None of that crispy stuff. Crispy bacon on a plate in front of me for me to be very, very thankful when something good is going my way. I want to ask, this is always dangerous, think about your answer. What you think about it over here too, guys, all right? Tell me something. Tell me something you are thankful for. I just said bacon. What's something you would be thankful for, Max? Our state. You're thankful for Tennessee. That's good something to be thankful for. Emma, what's something you're thankful for? You don't have something right now, I'll come back to you. Your mom. That's an excellent thing to be thankful for. Hopefully, mom is behaving, right? So she's a good thing to be thankful for. That's what we like. All right, boys, you've, you've heard this. You've heard me see my bacon up here on the screen. Tell me something you were thankful for. Thankful for God. That's a great thing to be thankful for. You have something to be thankful for, too? Come on, it's just us. You'd be thankful for your brother. <laughs> I did that for you, Mom. <laughs> so, but there's all, it's easy to be thankful when something's good. I mean, you got this bacon. You're something else I really, really like. If a thousand pounds of chocolate chip cookies suddenly materialize here in front of Matt, Matt had better get out of the way because this is something I like. It's really easy to be thankful when things are going your way, when it's something that you like. It's easy. What about when things are not going your way or it's something you don't like? When you have some kind of a circumstance like that or when you have a circumstance like this that comes into your life. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 18 and said, in everything you give thanks, not just in the good times. When we think about the Apostle Paul who wrote that, his life was full of hardships. His was not all sunny days. His was not all thousand pounds of bacon suddenly showing up in front of him. The Jews sought to kill Paul. He was very, very successful in turning the hearts of Jewish people away from the old law to Jesus. And so for that reason, they wanted to get rid of him. He was in chains at one point, being taken to Caesar because he had had to appeal to Caesar in order to avoid having the Jewish people be able, the Jewish leaders be able to execute judgment on him. He was also going to be a witness to Caesar, but he was in chains. Even his best friends deserted him. When he's writing 2 Timothy, he says, only Luke is with him. All the people who had uh, gone with him and, and, and trans, uh, traveled with him, his best friends have deserted him. What are some ways in Paul's life, what are some ways he followed this resolution, this, this command that he gives, and everything gives, gives, gives thanks that might help us? What are some things Paul did or wrote or said that might help us if this is going to be our charge, our resolution this year? Well, realize Paul could easily have felt sorry for himself. I mean, I don't know how many years total he spent in chains, but he was in jail. He was a prisoner. You know, woe is me, right? Woe is me. Unfortunately, many times saying, you know, woe is me, look at my poor situation, tends to mean that I don't look for ways to make the best of the poor situation I'm in, just like Paul. Yet he gave thanks for every situation because he knew that God was in control, whatever happened, whatever happened. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Several of the verses we're going to read are in Philippians because Paul writes this 
while he's in prison, while he's in jail. He says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If I live, I can keep talking about Jesus. If I'm in jail, if I'm in chains, I get to talk to people who are around me, no matter where I am, about Jesus. But if I happen to die, I, it's even better, because I go home to be with Jesus. Paul was willing to have whatever happened happen to him because God was in control. He was not sitting around feeling sorry for himself. Paul also died to his own selfish interests. He wasn't living for himself anymore. He knew that many of his former pleasures or activities or things that he was involved in were actually self-destructive. Paul often told people to, to quit living a life of fancy word here, debauchery. Uh, doing, we would say today, drugs and alcohol, you know, wine, women, and song, and things like that, right? Because that just leads to trouble. Paul told people, get out of that kind of circumstance because it's not where you need to be as a member of God's family. Look what he said in Galatians 2, verse 20. He says, I, Paul saying this, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, I have died just like Jesus did. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ, but Jesus living in me. I'm not Gene anymore. I should be Jesus living in the body of Gene. I really should. But if I'm living for myself, if I'm doing what I want to do because it's fun, because it feels great, whatever it may be, I haven't done this. I haven't died to my old way of living. Paul knew that you had to die to your old self in order to be able to give thanks in every circumstance. Paul died to himself. My first question this morning, what about us? Have I tried to die to myself? Can I say I've died to myself? If not, I certainly should say that I've died to myself and decide I'm going to die. The third place. Paul knew that everything could either make him better or bitter. What a great way to say that in English. It could either make him better or bitter. Look at Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Whatever was to my profit, whatever I enjoyed, whatever benefited me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And the word he used in the original is actually a, like an outhouse. Okay? He considered it garbage. He considered it an outhouse, right? Nobody wants that in your living room. He considered it that worthless that he didn't even have any desire to go back for it again. Whatever I used to think was good for me, I now consider like a trash dump for the sake of Jesus. What is more, I consider, look at this, everything. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul wasn't looking for anything to keep an attachment to. Everything was worthless and not even worth holding on to compared to knowing Jesus as his Lord and Savior. What about us? There's so many people in our world, in our state, in our city, who are much more attached to something or someone than they are to Jesus. It's not going to come to good. It's not. We've got to be willing, like Paul, I think, to let everything go and focus on knowing Jesus. 
in the fourth place. When others would complain, when others would feel like they could complain, Paul prayed. We talked about this in our study of following Paul through Greece, here in Africa or somehow. Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in jail in Philippi. They've been beaten, and it was with a rod, more like a baseball bat-sized rod. And they were beaten on their rear ends, they had their clothes pulled down, beaten on their rear ends, very sore, let's just say it that way. And they're sitting in the stocks, in the chains, inside the Philippian jail. And around midnight, what are they doing? Instead of crying out, you know, because they're hurting, because they've been beaten, because, oh, look at all the injustice, I'm not, I don't belong in here, I'm innocent, get me out of here. What's Paul and Silas, what are they doing at midnight? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Look how Paul and Silas' action of, in everything, giving thanks, affected people around them. One of the things that it took me a long time to learn is my reaction to a situation affects people beyond myself. I might be entirely justified my own account, right, of reacting the way I am. Hey, nobody treat me like that. That may be true. But is my reaction to it going to help anybody else around me? Or is that going to pull them down and change them too? I got two choices. Lift up or pull down. Paul and Silas could easily have been complaining all night long. They shouldn't have been in jail. But they weren't. They were singing and praying. And the prisoners heard them. What about us? Some circumstance comes up. Is it a woe is me? Or is it, I'm going to find a way to make the best out of this. Paul also knew where he was going. This is a longer passage. It ties into the song thoroughly for us here a moment ago. Listen to it, and then we'll focus on the words from the psalm here. He says to Timothy, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, about Jesus, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works. He didn't choose me, let me become a member of his family. He didn't. Pull me into this grace because of things I have done. It's not because I was a good person, because I did all these things, made a big checklist and said, yeah, I've done them all. Great, I'm in. He called us to a holy calling because of Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. I'm suffering because of how Jesus called me sent me out to teach and to preach. He was gladly doing it, but he was suffering because of that. I am not ashamed to be suffering. I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard or keep until that day what has been entrusted to me. He knew that Jesus had a place for him to go when that day came. He knew where he was going. Look again at that. I'm not ashamed. I know. I have confidence. I understand who I have believed in and where I'm going. I knew who had saved him, who had prepared a place for him, who loved him, and who died for him. What about us? Do I know where I'm going? Do I really believe that Jesus lived and died for me and that he's got a place for me? Do I really show it with how I respond to circumstances? 
It involves perspective. In everything give thanks requires perspective. Look at Job 121. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Babies don't come out carrying all sorts of things. They're, they're completely naked. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can't take anything with you. I didn't bring anything in. I can't take it out. Well, since I'm going to leave the same way I came in, God has to be my ultimate reality. God has to be where my life is directed. Look at James 1, 2 through 4. My friends, consider yourselves fortunate when all kinds of trials come your way. You've got to be joking. Most of, most people in our town and most people in our city, state, and all of them would say, come on. How, how, how am I going really? You tell me I should be happy when some kind of trouble comes my way? James said, yes. Why? For you know when your faith succeeds in facing such trials, the result is the ability to endure. It's going to produce patience. Make sure that your endurance carries you all the way without failing so that you may be complete and mature, lacking nothing. You can't grow up as a child without bumping your knee, without understanding you can't always have a cookie, without understanding how to get along with people. To mature requires sometimes hard lessons, discipline from parents. It requires understanding things and growing. Well, we become a new child of God. We are, in effect, like a baby. Even if somebody becomes a child of God who's 67 years old, it takes time to grow and mature, and that requires tests, trials. Right? You've got to grow and mature. That's why I need perspective. Overall, when it comes down to it, everything gives thanks. I'm really convinced this is the key thing to keep in mind. It's Philippians 4.11. I have learned in whatever certain situation I am in to be content. Notice 1 Thessalonians 5.18 does not say give thanks for everything. It doesn't say, for everything, give thanks. Look at the words again. It doesn't say, for everything, give thanks. It says, in everything, give thanks. Whatever circumstances I'm in, give thanks to God, not for the circumstance, not for being in a hospital, not for being sick, not for having somebody that I love die, not for heartache, not for betrayal, but whatever circumstance I'm in, Paul says right here, I need to be content because God loves me and I'm going home to live with God. And so I came into the world naked. I'm going to experience a lot of things in my life. I'm going back to God. Whatever circumstance I'm in on that journey, I need to give thanks to God. This is going to be a hard challenge for us this year. It's a hard challenge for me. There have been a lot of things that have happened in my life, even in just the last few years. But I will flat out tell you, I was not very happy about, not very thankful for. But perspective and learning to be content because God loves me, because God loves us, is the only way to handle 
those kind of circumstances. It is the only way I can truly follow what Paul tells us, which is the will of God. In everything, give thanks. The only way to give thanks in everything is the only way to do it. It isn't being thankful that somebody's died or that anything has happened to us. It is simply giving thanks in any circumstance because God has given us the gift of his son. And God loves us. So today, give thanks if for no other reason for the inexpressible, incredible gift God has given for each one of us. Eternal life through his son. You can become a member of God's family today by understanding what God has done for you, by believing that His Son lived and died for you, changing your life from wrong to right, committing to dying for, to yourself and living for God. And as God has said, to be baptized, immersed, die in the waters of baptism, and be raised to walk as a completely new person, a baby but a child of God. If you're a member of God's family and just haven't been able to give thanks in your circumstances that you've been in, if you're not content in circumstances you're in, then you can come and ask God for strength. You can ask for forgiveness if that's necessary. We gladly pray with anyone, but we all need prayer. The choice is yours today in everything. Give thanks as we